More than a decade and a half ago, John Bishop was experiencing headaches that took him to the hospital. He was diagnosed with meningitis, and then a month later, unexpectedly, his memory was gone. What happens to a person, to a marriage and and a family, when everything about the past has been erased? John Bishop says, you have to start back at the beginning, learning to walk, to talk, learning to love. When she began to teach me, she said, you're John, I, Donna, we're married. I said, married? Married? And she said, oh, okay, you forgot that. That means you belong to me and I belong you. I look at her, I say, you my Donna? She said, yes, that's what I call her ever since, my Donna. It was so easy to love her. She loved me so good. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. What would happen to your marriage if all of a sudden you were starting from scratch? I tell people she taught me everything I know. I, every woman dream come true. <laughs> Her husband forget it all and she get teaching. And, uh... <laughs> and welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. In our years of interviewing folks, we've met a number of couples, and heard some remarkable love stories. Uh, But the story our listeners are hearing this week (laughs) is is an all-time classic, isn't it? It may be the best. I I mean, we've heard some great ones here, but uh, how many guests do you suppose we've had? Over 600? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. 700 guests uh, over the past 16, 17 years we've been on Family Life today, and we wanted to bring this story to you as a listener John and Donna Bishop live not far from here in a little town called Rosebud, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. This is not – we didn't make this up, folks. There really <laughs> there really is a town. It's near Hopewell. Yeah, right. Which is a suburb of Heber Springs. <laughs> and if you've never been there, don't make fun of it because it's really – It's pretty. It's a cool little spot up there where you can go trout fishing catch some monster brown trout. Anyway, anyway, uh, John and Donna were married in 1974. They had three sons. He was uh, an evangelist for a number of years, pastored a church, had a ranch for young people that he helped uh, staff and give leadership to. It was back in 1995, though, that he was diagnosed with aseptic meningitis and had to be hospitalized. And normally, you recover from aseptic meningitis and, and life goes on. But what happened was it was like someone erased the the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. All the memory, uh, all of his understanding of all the basics of life were gone yeah, this because is, of this disease. This is a month after he's had his meningitis that he loses his complete memory. He doesn't know that he's married. He doesn't know what marriage is. He doesn't know how to talk. He doesn't know how to eat. Doesn't know who God is. It's like starting from scratch. And right. Obviously, that leads to an incredible stress on a marriage, on a family. I mean, what do you do from there, right? It's one thing, Bob, to have a life-threatening illness and live through that valley. But the story you're going to hear is all about how they picked up and began to live life on a daily basis. Donna, it's almost like 
When you brought John home from the hospital, you were bringing home a newborn baby who had some adult-level functionality, but some very baby-like qualities. Um, was he ever like a bad boy? When when he was home from the hospital, were there ever times when you thought I'm gonna have to? Well, I'm gonna have to. Let's put it the way it is, Bob. Did he ever pitch a fit? Did he ever throw a tantrum? I can answer that. Did, yes. did, he, did he go through the terrible twos with you? Yes, he would. Uh, especially when it came to eating, he wanted to eat his dessert first. Uh, why do I have to? You know, he's always asking questions. Why he has to do this and do that? And it was funny one time I came home and he is trying to help me. He so he's washing the dishes. When he washed the dishes, he broke a plate or a glass or something, and and so he hid it in the trash, buried it in the bottom of the trash. So I wouldn't know that, you know, he broke <laughs> broke a plate. So you know, he's just. He's hiding things from me and sneaking around behind me when he's doing things he, he thought I didn't want him to do. Now, here's your husband <laughs> yes. acting this way, and you feel like like you have to to paddle him, like spank <laughs> yes. him for how he's behaving? How, how do you handle that as a wife? When, I'd when be you... glad to spank him a few times. <laughs> <laughs> she never spanked me, but uh, she had to get after me. And um, I still a little childish, but I tell people it's been twelve years. I just twelve year old. <laughs> you know, I can't wait till I teenager. I'm not sure what I got to do, but anyhow, um, she did like a child. I mean, uh, she had to tell me, "You have to go to bed. You have to do these things and stuff." But oh, she was just so loving and so good and kind about it. You know, I, I it's been harder on her than me. The person sick just go through, but oh, she has been so patient. <laughs> when when did you when did it dawn on you that you had a sin nature, that that deep inside of you is this rebellion that you mm-hmm. want to be selfish and you want things the way you want them? When did that register for you? Well, once I began listening to the Bible on tape, I, I for instance, Bob, I can remember first lie told. And uh, at least after the illness, right. in the hospital, the nurses had asked me if I had taken something, and it was something I didn't like. And so I had thrown it away, and I told her I had taken it. Mm. Now, I didn't know what a lie was, but I felt guilty. Mm. But later on, I learned what lying was. and uh, But I've already felt guilty just doing it. Mm-hmm. and uh, But... You know, one day she came in, and I pointed to nurse. I said, bad woman, bad woman. And she said, what, what? Well, she had done something and hurt me, and I thought that bad, you uh-huh. know. But she's helping me. But uh, but that's the way I thought, you know, and I've, I've had to relearn so many things, mm-hmm. and I have so much to learn. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, when you hid the plate, that also had to uh, result in some guilt. Yes. Mm-hmm. So here's God convicting you of your need for forgiveness, mm-hmm. your need for a Savior. Yes. And yet you've already made that commitment as a young lad growing up. You don't happen to have that sheet of paper, do you? The page in your Bible that shares your, your testimony? No, I didn't bring it. I'm sorry. That's I all didn't right. bring it with me. Basically, what does that sheet of paper say? Well, it tells about that Saturday night in September. 
I was uh, brought up in Bristol, Tennessee, over in East Tennessee, and there was a citywide crusade, and the preacher was C.E. Autry. He's with the Lord now. Matter of fact, I've got a book. I have his name down. I can even tell you the song they sang that night. On my testimony CD, I have some people sing it. It is no secret what God can do. Evidently, that song meant a lot to me, and so I even put that down. They sang that song that night. I was a 15-year-old teenage boy and lost home, and and uh, Mama was telling me that none of the family was saved at this point. And I even wrote that I brought a gospel track home from the stadium, the Tennessee High Football Stadium. It's still there, and uh, and with John 3.16 on it. I can tell you it's a Saturday night that September. I got on my knees, and I put my name where whosoever was. Whosoever shall call—I'm sorry. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him. And I put my name, whosoever, there should not perish but have everlasting life. I know all those details but can't remember a bit of it, but I wrote it there. And— and I'm just so glad that I received the Lord as a teenager. And then Mama said I surrendered to the call to preach and preach my first sermon a month after my salvation. And um, and I've been preaching ever since. Um, the Lord has just helped me. And matter of fact, was she said able to be interim pastor of a little country church when a senior in high school. And this is true now. It's Goose Pimple Junction, Virginia. That's where it was. Population 29. And so. Hold it, hold it. Goose Pimple yes. Junction. Uh-huh. Junction. Virginia. And it is there. You've been there, haven't you, been Donna? There, yes, sir. So, and, how many people go to, go to the church that is preaching, has a senior high, high school preacher? Well, my Donna took me there to that little white church. Oh, Dennis, if you could see it, sits by a creek. Beautiful little white church sitting there still today. And an old deacon that was there when I in high school named Reeford, he he came over and saw us. And he said, I remember him when he was here. It's about 20 people. Hmm. And uh, he, had, he had all the town out there. Most, <laughs> most of Goose Pimple was there. <laughs> Donna, um, th- did you ever have anyone come alongside you after the illness while you were trying to care for raising your boys and and care for John and say, you know, there's a place he could stay where they'd take care of him and 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 you just you shouldn't have to bear this burden. Did you have folks suggest that? To yes, you? sir. I had I had somebody uh, suggest that 
I could do that, you know, if I was if I got tired and so forth and I would get tired of taking care of him. But, you know, I just really never gave the second thought. Uh, another thing I'm thankful that the Lord gave me a husband, that's, he's a fighter. He's always, um, well, you know, he's hard to get down. He's always trying to get back up. And he was working so hard at getting things to walk. And, and I remember coming home one day from school and he said, sit down over there, sit down over there. And he got up out of a chair across the room from me and walked over to me. And he was so proud, you know, that he, he could walk to me without any help or anything, just straight across the room to me. And and um, so he's just, he tries, he he gives it his all. Hmm. And so how can you, you know, not help him give his all? <laughs> well, but back to Bob's question, when people would come and say that to you, were you ever tempted? No, sir. I never was really, never even thought about it. I mean, I thought about it. I thought, you know, I could, but just go on. You know, I just, I just was never tempted to do anything like now, that. Now, now, what our listeners don't know is the length of time this story took. I mean, we're not talking about 30 days in rehab back to John getting uh, to normal. John, give give our listeners an idea mm-hmm. here of the timeline we're talking about here. Well, for several weeks, Dennis, she had to do everything for me. And you know what I mean. I say everything. I was like a baby. This went on for weeks and weeks. Like I say, it took me near two years to where I could walk. And I had to work at it, work at it, and so forth. And um, But it, it was just incredible how good she was to me. I remember one day she finishing cleaning me up again, and I look at her. I say, Donna, why so good to me? And um, she said, well, two reasons. And I said, what that? Well, she said, one, I promise I would. I said, promise? I, I don't remember promise. And she went and got our marriage vows, and she brought them. And she said, John, we got married. I said, in sickness and health, better or worse. And I remember I said, Donna, I'm so sorry at this worse, but thank you keeping promise. Thank you. And then she said, but second reason is, and she gave me a big hug and says, I love you. And um, I got an award back a couple years ago, and a college had asked me to come, and they surprised me. They asked me to give testimony, and they were giving me an award. And so I was so scared I was going to have to say something and write it last minute. And I thought, what am I going to say? And here's what I said. I got up. I said, I'm going to take this award home to my Donna. I'm going to get on my knees, put in her lap, and I'm going to say, Donna, if it wasn't for God, you, and you, I wouldn't even be alive, much less getting this. So I said, this yours. I said, one day I get to have I'm going to say, God, why you been so good to me? And I think God going to give me two reasons. Going to say, one, I promise I would. And he might remind me, Roman eight twenty eight. all things work together good, them love the Lord, and Maybe say, John, I told you you love me, everything all right. And then I believe God going to give me a hug, and I believe God a good hugger. And he going to say, but John, main reason I love you. And I sure hope I have something put to his feet and say, thank you, God. But it, I can't describe how good she's been to me and God and everybody been so good to me. Hmm. How does that make you feel, Donna? <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm over here crying. I'm just, I'm thankful that the Lord gave me the strength and that God's, uh, I grew up and that I was taught those valuable lessons that my family taught me, my church taught me when I was young, that um, it's worth it. It's worth it in the end. You know, don't ever bail. Just stay, just stay, stay with it. God will bless you. For two years, it took you to learn how to walk. To I mean, walk good, you know, right. without stumbling and up steps. He has a real hard time with the steps. But even beyond that, John, you've suffered incredible headaches. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and just times of just feeling lousy. Yes. And that's continued on for how long? All 12 years. Immediately, because of the brain damage, I began having seizures and I still have those, but I'm glad they're not quite as bad. And then cluster migraine headaches is what I have, and that's what actually caused my blindness. They change nature. They're sort of what they call an ocular cluster migraine. And uh, so for about eight months, I've been legally blind, and I'm with a pain management clinic, and I have a wonderful Christian doctor. He told me one day, you think how special this is. He said, John, I'm your humble servant, and anything I can do to help you keep traveling and tell people how good God is, I want to do that to help you. Not many people have that, do they? No. And so I do have to deal daily with pain, and it's just part of my life. Um, I don't have a choice. I, I just take enough medicine to function. If I took enough to feel good, I couldn't function. I don't mind if I feel good or not, long as I can function. But those have been big struggles for me, and I got very depressed, very discouraged. I wish I'd tell you I got sick and just said, oh, everything be fine, and went on. I didn't, Dennis. I got very depressed and went through some very dark times, and I even prayed, Lord, please take me home, please, because I hurt, and and I felt burdened for my Donna. She never tell me I burdened, but I felt that way, and um, depressed people do, and I got so depressed. I begged the Lord, please take me home, please. I tell people when I talk, audience, I said, you've never life seen person want to die and pray harder than man looking at. And then I say, but now you never in your life want to see, ever seen anybody want to live more than man you're looking at. God turned that around and helped me um, through those dark times. But that was mainly because of the pain issues and the seizures. And I've had a back surgery. I injured my back and have a rod and some screws. I've gone through um, malignant melanoma cancer, and I call them issues instead of problems. They just come problem if I let them. And, uh, but I've had a lot of issues, you know, to go through. And, but the Lord's given me grace every time. <laughs> you know, the name of your ministry? Yes. God, God. is so good ministry? Yes. John, some of our listeners are going to hear this and say, how can you, with all you've been through, testify to the goodness of God? If God was good, why would he allow all of this to happen to you? 
Yes, and you know, Bob, that was the, the struggle I was going through. Those questions were going through my mind, and I needed to get hold of something. And the truth I got hold of, I was listening to Bible on tape, but I really loved the book of Psalms because David been through some trials too. So I listened to it over, over, over. Matter of fact, I wore that tape out and had to get another one. And he kept saying, though, the Lord is good. He kept saying it one psalm after other, other, God is good. And so I remember one night I laying on couch and it'd been a very difficult day. I'd hurt and I'd had some major seizures that day. And um, in those early days, the only thing control pain, my doctor was would give me morphine injections, actually because I didn't have insurance, would come to my home and help me. That just how good people been to me. And so that night I hurting so bad. And I'd listen to Psalm and it said, uh, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. Blessed is the man trusted in him. And I turned it off and I look up God and I said, God, I'm going to believe you're good. If I never get better, I still going to believe you're good because that what your word says. And I said, Lord, this must be what faith means, is believing you even when I don't feel like it. So if I never walk, and I didn't get up and walk, <laughs> I said, I, but oh, a peace came my heart. I'm going to believe God good whether I feel good or not. I'm going to believe God good whether I get better or not, just cause the Bible say it. And the peace came to me that I just couldn't... <laughs> Um, I can't describe what a wonderful peace came my heart. And so that's why the truth of God's goodness rescued me. And that's why as I share it with others on planes and in churches when I'm able to go and travel, I just know that if people will, and I'm not saying that all that God is, He's also holy and He's just and He's righteous. But the two things that stand out to me is he's good and he's right no matter what happens. He's always good and he's always right. And um, a dear lady even wrote a song entitled that after my life story. But those truths rescued me, and that's why I love telling it to others. A preacher of the gospel following God's call Nothing giving his all What began as an ordinary
John, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. there will be a listener who's hearing your story and he hears the pain you've been through, the pain that Donna shared as she's cared with you and nursed you back to to the ability to function. And they're going to say, how in the world can you say God is good Yes, and God is right? Yes. Because the pain, I mean, you, you've said you've learned how to live with pain. Mm-hmm. You've had to come to some conclusions and convictions about pain yes. that the rest of us, I think, need to learn mm-hmm. from you. Oh, I, I still have so much to learn, Dennis. But here's what I think. Our God put himself through pain. I'm able to read now, Dennis, and I'm not smart enough to be able to know a lot of general information. So I focus my reading on people who are hurting because that's my whole life now is helping hurting people. And the one thing I can tell people is nobody's hurt more than God. When he gave his son, they say one of the greatest pains a person can go through is the death of a child. Well, think of God's son, Jesus Christ. I ask people sometimes, do you believe God loved his son? And nobody yet ever tell me, no, didn't love. But yet he let him go through greatest pain anybody ever through because something better. And now I don't have to know what all the better is. But I know I can trust this God because he let himself hurt. Jesus suffered more than any of us will ever know. And if God loved his son and let him go through that because he knew something better for everybody, I'm going to trust him that he got something better for me and everybody too. You can trust a God like that. He's not like many other religions have gods that are above pain and above suffering. Oh, God put himself right in the middle of it. And um, I can't always tell people I know how something feels unless I've been through it. But I can tell them the Lord does because his son went through the most incredible pain ever been. And the reason we're here today is because he did. So I know good going to come from it because he's a good God. (laughs) Well, we've been listening today to part two of a conversation with John and Donna Bishop. And Dennis, as I was listening to John talk about responding to his own trials, his own pain, I thought of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. He's a living application Hmm. of that verse. Rather than being consumed by his own pain and suffering and saying, why me? He is comforting others in their affliction. He is. And, you know, as as we've talked here today, it just occurred to me there's two groups of people that are listening to this broadcast. One group who is in the midst of suffering. And 
they're going through the valley uh, right now, and they know exactly what John's talking about, and they have been comforted, as you've talked about. But I, I want to remind that group of people where John's comfort came from, and to do that, I want to I want to quote Dr. A. W. Tozier, who was a great English writer. He said, "The most important thing you think is what you think about God," and the key to John's faith was he had the right thoughts about who God was. He got them from the Scripture that God is a good God. No matter what happens to us, he is still good. No matter what befalls those we love, God hasn't changed. The most important thing you think is what you think about God. There's a second group, though, and it's a far larger number, I think, Bob, even though that we have a ton of listeners who, who are hurting, who listen to this broadcast— and it's it's the larger number who need to be reminded of what they promised. <laughs> they promised till death do us part. And they needed to hear this love story. I needed to hear it. Who doesn't need to hear of a compelling promise that two people have made to each other to go through such an incredible ordeal as what Donna and John Bishop went through? Um Maybe you just need to take your spouse's hand before the day is over and you just say two things. I promised and I love you. And that's a great place to begin to build a family. Hmm. You know, I think about the uh, listeners who over the next couple of weeks are going to be off on a trip somewhere, vacation or headed somewhere in the car. Uh, they had to get a copy of this CD and listen to it together as they drive wherever it is they're going together. In fact, if if the whole family's along, this would be a great story for the whole family to listen to. Uh, we've got copies of the CD in our Family Life Resource Center, and if our listeners would like to receive a copy, they can contact us uh, online at familylife.com or by calling 1-800-FL-TODAY. And you can find out how to order a copy of the CD that uh, that features our complete conversation with John and Donna Bishop. Again, the toll-free number is 1-800-358-6329. When you contact us, someone on our team will make arrangements to have uh, the CD sent out to you. Now, tomorrow, we're going to hear about how John and Donna Bishop can continue to call God good even after all they've been through. And I hope you can be back with us for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.